and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week, it's our season five bonus episode. Season five bonus, season five bonus, da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, so something that we talked about a whole bunch this season while we were doing season five mm-hmm. is how how much of a comparison could be made between the season five plot points and mm-hmm. a lot of the things that are happening on the revival. Yeah. And I think one thing that was a little bit different about this crop of episodes is that I think when we were talking about, I believe it was seasons three and four, when the revival was originally out in season nine, we brought a lot more of the revival into the podcast and talked about it at length. And we really haven't done that as much. You know, we brought it up here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to take this bonus episode as an opportunity to talk about all of the fun, convenient ways that season five and season ten are kind of feeling like, um, not mirror images, I guess. But like, sort of like two sides of the same cookie. Yeah. it's Like, like an Oreo. I think more than in previous seasons, Will and Grace is really uh, reflecting back on some really specific themes that it's also used in this particular season. And it's just a... Fun coincidence. Yeah, so we figured we would talk about that a little bit, and mm. yeah. Um, so from here on out, there is a spoiler alert mm-hmm. for the revival. Yes. If you are not watching the revival, skip this episode, come back once you've watched mm-hmm. it, and help us enjoy the season five, season ten parallels. Yes. See, spoilers are active for seasons one through five and nine through ten, seasons six through eight, are completely off limits. Not necessarily, because there are some <laughs> things from 6 through 8 that we know happened, but we haven't gotten to on the podcast Okay, yet. well, if those but things... But we'll try to avoid those spoilers. If those things come up, I'm just going to make this noise. What? <laughs> so, be ready. So you could be prepared to skip. <laughs> um, so I think the, the to kick it off, I think we should lay some groundwork here and just say that the, the two big things we want to talk about this week episode are Karen's big divorce plotline mm-hmm. and... Grace's dating choices. Yeah, so the two main parallels that we've noticed between seasons five and season ten is that in both seasons, Karen is working through a divorce with Mm -hmm. Stan. And um, also in both seasons, we see Grace sort of become more and more romantically involved with a new person. Yeah, and to a lesser note, we also see Will and Jack kind of being sidelined in the pursuit of those narrative goals. Yeah, they get a... In my opinion, fewer episodes, Mm -hmm. like where they're the main plot, and um, they kind of play backup a lot in these these plots. I mean, if you look at, you know, season five and season ten, their plot lines are less... um, Episodic's not quite the right word. There's less of a through line, you know? There is... I mean, season five did have... uh, Bye bye, Barry. The yes, the we had our gay figmalion. Yes, we had our figmalion uh, trio of episodes. Yes, or quad, quad of episodes. Yeah, there were four there episodes. There were four. Um, so, so far in uh, season five versus season ten, season ten hasn't had a similar will plotline. No, plot line. In, um, in fact, season ten has hinted at more further romantic plotlines uh-huh. for Will, but we haven't actually really gotten one yeah. yet. Yeah, it's actually very possible that we might still get it because I know right. uh, Matt Bomer came in for an episode right before the hiatus for winter and um, is allegedly coming back for more episodes. So maybe we will get a four-part Will has a romantic relationship parallel. It's just because Matt Bomer wants to torture me because I legally can't talk about why I think he's the worst <laughs> without um, becoming fired from my job. But it's, there There are all these like little like tiny plots that they get 
that don't carry over or don't carry over for a lot of episodes. Right. Um, and we've seen that in the revival season too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Will had a throwaway line about being a professor and he was at his job, I think, one of the six or seven episodes they've had so far. Yeah, like literally one. And it was and it was mostly used as a way to show that he was using mascara to color in his beard. And Jack has been all over the place this season. I mean, he's, right. he's back at his job helping the kids. Mm-hmm. There was an episode where he went down to Texas to help his grandson. Yep. There is the episode where he and Will are with Coco Peru. There's um, the episode where he's Skyping with his fiance. Wait, who is Coco Peru? The drag queen. Oh, the drag queen. Sorry, I just was so confused for a hot second. I was like, I don't, I don't understand. I was really pinballing there. Yeah. Um, I mean, in in a Much similar like fashion, <laughs> right? In a similar fashion, Jack has had single one-off bits mm-hmm. and not really had a narrative focus, similar to season five. Yeah. And, for Jack, that's more common than for Will. Right. I mean, for Jack in season five, um, the main through line that we kind of get with him is that he started his own acting school. Right. But even that is not so much a through line as just sort of like a thread that appears. Right. Whenever it wants to. Um, so I guess our, our main sources of parallel are not those two characters. Yeah. Except to say that in both seasons, they definitely take a backseat to their female counterparts. Right. The only thing that I would also hint at is that both seasons do sort of finally address the will they won't they that hasn't really existed between jack and will that's very true too that's really the only thing is that in season 10 we did have an episode in which will sort of lays it all out on the table as to why he never pursued jack romantically Mm -hmm. um which is actually a really tender friendship moment and Mm -hmm. i quite liked it um and then in season five we also have this addressing of it by the the season finale ending with them waking up in bed together naked and freaking out after stan quote dies and uh tells them that they should get married already yes which is beautiful so season five addresses it indirectly by having neither of the characters be the ones to bring it up right versus in season 10 they are kind of forced to bring it up yeah which is you know progress it's 11 years later quote unquote Mm -hmm. they're they're grown-ups now ideally apparently allegedly so we've heard (laughs) (laughs) um well, do you want to talk about Karen first or Grace first? Let's talk about Karen. Okay. Um, so, like we said, Karen gets divorced from Stan twice. Right. And this is definitely the most direct parallel. I mean, yeah, this is the one... It's not even so much a parallel as they were kind of recycling the plot line. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the same character beats have kind of been hit. You know, mm-hmm. Grace... Or, Grace. Karen is, like, kind of cheating on Stan, but then Stan's the one to ask for the divorce in both seasons. Yep. Um, Minnie Driver is present in both, although I don't believe there's been any implication that Minnie Driver is sleeping with Stan. Not in season 10, it doesn't seem like. Yeah. But, um, their previous affair does come up in season 10 because Karen needs proof of their previous affair in order to say that she wasn't the only one who cheated because... Right. Um, Stan was essentially trying to keep her from getting any money out of him by mm-hmm. claiming that she had broken their, uh prenuptial agreement but technically speaking he had broken it first so that means that she would be entitled to have his stuff it's actually a a kind of an interesting reverse of season five when macaulay culkin's guest starring episode airs yeah and will is tricked by macaulay culkin into telling him that all that karen needs is the photos of stan cheating too like it's the same it's the same plot executed with different characters and a slightly different result. exactly um, and in this, in season 10, we see more of a camaraderie and sisterhood between mm-hmm. um, Minnie Driver and Karen, um, where essentially we see that Minnie Driver's character is working at a strip co- club. Mm-hmm. And what is it called? Buckingham um, Phallus or something? No, like? I, I think it's, was it Buckingham Phallus? No, I no, don't No, it was something else. Buckingham Phallus is a good name, though. Okay. 
I think one thing that is a little different is that, and, and maybe this is just an impression that I get, I feel like in season five, the gang is a lot more worried about Karen. Mm-hmm. Whereas in season 10, it's kind of like happening more in, not in the background, but it's happening in a different way. Right. Well, in season five, we also see things like Karen briefly living in her limo. Right. So like she is actually... Is, Destitute in Yeah, she sense. is experiencing some concerning circumstances. Right. In season 10, there's a bit more of a sense of grappling with the the emotional elements of it more than the financial legal elements. Right. And I think that does sort of speak to the show's maturity a little bit mm-hmm. in that it's really more focused on, on Karen realizing that her relationship with Stan has come to an end, that both of them have been unfaithful to each other, and mm-hmm. that means that they probably shouldn't continue to be together. Um, mm-hmm. yep. But, like, learning to let go of that. And actually, that's a really interesting comparison because while the season 10 plot I think is more emotional than the season 5 plot I feel like the season 10 plot because it's more emotional is kind of setting us up for a future where she and Stan may not be together right I could be eating my words in six months but in season 5 it actually feels more surprising that Stan turns up dead and that the relationship is at least clearly temporarily torn asunder yeah like it seems less likely that they would not get back together in season five, and yet there is a final cutoff put in. Mm-hmm. Whereas in season 10, it kind of feels like the show is trying to transition out of her being married to Stan so that she could be in romantic relationships like the other members of the gang. Mm-hmm. Because everybody else, barring Jack, who is now engaged, right. is sort of still like dating and experiencing right. that. Well, and even Jack is like, I, like, I feel like the show is actually doing like this clever thing where it has. Jack settling into a more married life and Karen settling out of it. So mm-hmm. both characters are pushed out of their comfort zones. Yeah. Um, in season five, it feels more like a, a, a plot development just to shake up the characters, but not one that's going to actually stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, especially since we know Stan is dead, but he's not really dead. Right. Of course. Like, that's like a main thing. Um, <laughs> that cannot be under or overstressed. That Stan <laughs> clearly doesn't actually die. He is not dead because it's hard to divorce a dead man. Um, yeah, I guess the other thing that we were talking about is that Grace kind of have, has these big romantic interests that take up a lot of space, Mm -hmm. um, in seasons five and season 10. And take up a lot of space very quickly. Yes. So in both situations, Grace meets someone and, um, begins like very seriously dating them within like the space of a couple of Mm -hmm. episodes. Right. So Um, in season five, we have Leo. Yes. Who, this episode, it feels like 2018, like it, it. Went by in a flash, but also seemed to last forever. Yes. So for those of you who have forgotten, um, season five opens with Grace being picked up off the ground by Leo. On a horse. And by the on end... On her way to get inseminated with Will's baby. Right. And by the end of the season, they're, they've already been married for months, and she's flying, or, you know, flying, you know, driver is driving her on a boat uh-huh. to the Caribbean or Costa Rica or whatever to catch him cheating on her. It's Guatemala. Whatever it is. <laughs> it's like, somewhere near Africa. I don't know. The Leo relationship in season five goes from zero to 60, back to zero, then back to 60, like five times. Yes, the Leo relationship is very much a roller coaster in season five. And in season 10, we see Grace in a relationship with Noah, who is played by Ross from Friends, essentially playing a grumpier, older version of Ross from Friends. Yes. And that one, I would say, has equal, like, amount of roller coasterness, but the, the... 
drops aren't quite as big. Right. It's sort of like this is the this is the Jetsons roller coaster that they designed for children. Right. And uh, season five is like um, Raging Bull. Like that's a very regional reference. This is a very regional reference brought to you by Six Flags Great America. <laughs> Six Flags Great America, located in Gurney, halfway between Chicago and Milwaukee. Woo! It's not really halfway between at all. <laughs> Depends on your perspective, I guess. Mm. Like, if you can't detect perspective, you would think it was halfway between Chicago and Milwaukee. People always say that, though, and they're always wrong. <laughs> um, I think the thing about these characters that's so interesting is that they are so wrong for Grace. Oh, my God, yes. They're but both the show terrible. doesn't seem to think so, or maybe it does. I don't know. I, I feel like our, we've had such a back and forth about Leo on this podcast. But I think we've officially landed on we don't care for him. Right. But I think we've had a back and forth about whether the show wants us to care about him or not. Right. And I feel like in our Twitter post we've had the same problem with Noah. Yes, where it's like the show seems to be hedging its bets so it's uh-huh. setting us up with equal amounts of evidence to hate him and to love right. him. Right. It's like we want you to know that this is a long-term relationship and we're really pushing it, but also we are absolutely ready to back off and fire him if you don't like him at all. Right. And it's like... <laughs> The sort of struggles that they have are very different. Um, but, yes. But they kind of boil down to a similar sort of emotional commitment problem that mm-hmm. Grace seems to find with these men, um, which is that neither of them are as committed as she is. And right. so with Leo, we see him constantly jetting off to do various Doctors Without Borders things mm-hmm. at a moment's notice without considering Grace's feelings. Yes. And when it comes to Noah, Grace is really hurt when he reveals that not only did he lie to her about having a child, he has purposely mean no effort to ever consider mm-hmm. the idea of them meaning. Right. And naturally in both response in both of those scenarios, Grace kind of responds childishly. Yes. Uh, she for does sure. not respond in the most like emotionally mature and realistic way. She doesn't respond by saying like, hey, let's talk about this more. She instead kind of forces the situation. Right. In really in both situations. Right. Probably the one in season ten more than the one in season nine where right. she for some reason, seems content to just sit at home in Brooklyn, which she has already moved to and left once in the season. Right. Um, so in season five, she mostly just causes a fight with Leo right before he leaves. Right. Um, and then it's kind of dropped for a brief amount of time. Um, in season 10, she goes straight to Noah's apartment and introduces herself to Noah's daughter without his permission, <laughs> pretending to be her math tutor, despite <laughs> the fact that Grace is notoriously not a math person. And also not Asian. Yes, I believe the person had a very Asian sounding yes. name and it would have been very surprising for her to be a redheaded Jewish lady. <laughs> um, one other thing that Leo and Noah have in common is that I would, I, I can only imagine that they are both Jewish. Mm-hmm. Leo is confirmed Jewish. If Noah's not Jewish, I think that um, the American Jewish Society might have a lawsuit ready <laughs> um, because he has a lot of hallmark stereotypical Jewish mm-hmm. character traits. And if he's, if he, I don't know. Frankly, they might have a lawsuit either way. You're right. I just. He's very Jewy. Yes. But like in a fun way. Yeah. Like it's played for comedy. Right. But still stereotype. And I think Grace is, I don't want to say the word drawn to. That's not an accurate description. And it's also kind of problematic. But like Grace, as someone who was raised very Jewish, is interested in marrying someone who's also very Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so I think based on the five seasons of the original series we've seen so far and the two seasons of the revival, Noah and Leo have kind of been established as her two most likely paramours. Mm -hmm. She actually marries Leo, as we've already seen. Uh And it kind of feels like they're building towards a very serious relationship with Noah, who is played by someone who is kind of sitcom royalty and is 
legitimately someone Will and Grace might want to keep around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially with their lower episode count. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at the numbers. But I think Noah has probably been in as many episodes at this point as um, Leo had been by the time of the winter break for season five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could kind of foresee him being in about the same number of episodes in the back half, proportionally. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I mean, it seems like this show is really very much so building for Grace to have, like, a real relationship mm-hmm. with Noah. In the last conversation they had, they kind of addressed the fact that Noah being the, what is it, the East Side, West Side curmudgeon or whatever? I, yes, I think he's the East Side curmudgeon. I don't know what side of what town side he's What side of on. town he's, he's on. He's curmudgeonly regardless. Yes. Um, he kind of admits to her that he doesn't want to imagine a future together because that is scary and he can't really handle that in his man heart. Right. Um, but then he kind of comes to her and says, like, of course I imagine a future and that's terrifying and blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm mad. I don't experience emotions. Right. Um, I, I would say both characters also share this tendency to, like, only want a relationship with Grace on their terms. Yes. And be really personally threatened whenever Grace dares to question that. Right. And I think that that is another thing that I personally find very troubling is that Grace is sort of painted to be this very independent character. Mm-hmm. And yet she seems to find herself with these men who only want relationships on their terms. And when hers are like rebuked, she kind of backs down. Right. And so at least in season 10, we're seeing her back down less. Um, by sort of acting out in mm-hmm. less appropriate ways. Yeah. I, um, guess I wish I, the, the show would put Grace with a character who was more emotionally invested than her. You know? Yes. Like, Grace's problem is always that she really throws herself into a relationship and gets, like, way too attached and, like, has a codependent tendency. I would love to see her with someone who is, like, on date three, like, ready to be, like, ride or die with her. Right. And, like, she has to be the one to make some growth right. and improvements or to accurately state out boundaries. Right, yeah, because it seems like what we usually see is Grace meets someone, that person establishes boundaries, and she has to conform to them. Mm-hmm. Versus Grace meets someone, they both have their own boundaries, right. and then they have to negotiate what's going to work for them to be together. I will definitely say, though, for as frustrating as Noah can be, I do think the show is doing a better job about having the onus for the problem be on Noah, not yes. Grace. Yes. There are a lot of scenes in season five where Leo is presented as, like, the perfect husband, and yes. why would Grace act like this? Right, but, like, from us watching this in 2018, we're going, this is so problematic! Like, right. Well, and now that we've reached the finale, it kind of feels like the creators were, like, pulling the rug out from under us, because mm-hmm. Leo has been built up as, like, this person who's super rational and Grace, why would you question that? Right. And then, like, actually giving him something that might be questionable. Right. And it's frustrating because we've been like, this has been questionable from the beginning. We've been new. Right. Like. Yeah. Like. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot, a lot of, of a wealth of similarities to be mm-hmm. found between the first half of season 10 and season right. 5. Well, and I think, unfortunately for me... I'm kind of caught in a precarious position with both characters because, like, obviously I know that eventually Grace and Leo do get married and do get divorced finally. They are already married. Well, they either get remarried or divorced or whatever. At some point at the end of season eight, Grace and Leo are married. Mm -hmm. Or still married or married again or whatever. But then they get divorced in the revival. Yes. So we already know kind of how that ends. But I don't know immediately what's going to happen to them in the beginning of season six. And I also don't know what's going to happen with her and Noah. So I feel like both relationships are in kind of this flux state. Mm-hmm. 
However, I know what happens in season six, and I'm not telling you shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're mean. I know. But you love me. I do love you. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, is there anything else we wanted to say about these seasons? I guess to talk a little bit more about the revival, since we have the moment, I just want to share that I think the revival is a lot stronger in its first couple of episodes than we saw it right out of the bat. Yeah. And that's to be expected. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no disputing season two of Will and Grace is stronger than season one. Absolutely. You know? They're kind of, they found their sea legs. Yeah. And season one had a lot of political humor, which I think was very mm-hmm. timely, but didn't always land. Right. And this season has sort of backed away from that, making that like the center of each episode and instead making it like the funny jokes that fill it in. Right. Which I think works a lot better for it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely had some political episodes. I mean, it has the episode where they go to Texas to quote-unquote save uh, Skip. Skip from his homophobic church. Except- but then it turns out that they're not actually homophobic. So no. like. It, like, shoehorns in a political plot, but then undercuts itself in, right. like, a really smart way. Right, and it's actually a beautiful, brilliant plot about internalized homophobia. Right. And I, I think that it's a much stronger place for the show to be. I mean, I think the crop of episodes is probably one of the strongest introductions to a season we've seen right. in Will and Grace. Yeah, I think that the only things that I would say I definitely didn't like was the reintroduction of uh, Alec Baldwin's character. Yes, um, but who, we found that frustrating as well at the end of last season. Right, and Alec Baldwin's character is a later a OG Will and Grace invention. Right. Um. So that's also part of the reason I don't like him is I didn't like him originally either. Right. Um. So just him being in, reintroduced into the mix simply to break up Karen's marriage seemed mm-hmm. a bit frustrating. Right. I feel like they could have just naturally come to the end of that marriage without Alec mm-hmm. Baldwin even being there. <laughs> um, though we did get the reintroduction of Anastasia Beaverhausen, which I think we all agree is great. Yes, Anastasia Beaverhausen is one of the most important characters in Will and Grace, past, present, and future. Do you think that there are a lot of baby drag queens out there who watched Will and Grace for the first time very recently and then named themselves Anastasia Beaverhausen? Oh, God, I hope not the whole name, but Anastasia would be nice. Now, I feel like there's definitely at least four drag queens somewhere in the Midwest who are going by Anastasia Beaverhausen. Who are, like, just waiting out the days until they get their season desist letter from NBC Universal. Correct. <laughs> um, yeah. If, speaking about the revival, a few other things that I did want to highlight, which I think the show is doing very well, is the incorporation of technology. And, yes. like, not making these characters who are objectively older be like, kids these days with their Snapchat. I think that's so refreshing. And it's... It's kind of a twofold thing because I think for one, on one hand, I think people that age legitimately know how to use technology now in a way that was not the case on TV or in the real world five or ten years ago. Right. I mean, like, my mom is a few years older than these characters would Mm -hmm. be. She has an iPhone. She knows how to use it. Right. Um, Like, the the trope of adults who don't know how to use technology is is pretty much over. Technology has made the jump. Like, mm -hmm. basic technology is easy for old adults or young old adults to use. Right. And so I personally very much appreciate the incorporation of things like FaceTiming and and like Snapchat and stuff right. into the show because I think that it does kind of make some of the comedy easier. Mm-hmm. Like the entire scene where um, Jack is FaceTiming with Estefan but he put the numbing cream on his face. Yes. It's is brilliant. It's brilliant physical comedy that wouldn't be possible without the technology piece. Well, and I think one thing that has never really been like surface level in the revival but is always kind of underpinning it is that these characters are old characters trying to be young characters who are partially able to be young characters because they don't have any kids. Yes. You know, like, these are characters who are realistically in their late 40s at best. 
and yet they are at least acting like late 30-somethings, mm-hmm. partially because the show is trying to get back to when they were 30-somethings, partially because it actually makes sense in the plot for these characters to act younger than they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really interesting. I think you don't see that on TV as much. Yeah. Like, it's rare enough to see characters using technology in a smart, plot-driven way, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to see it as, like, a narrative choice that informs the plot, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, the entire way that Grace and Noah even meet has to do with Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's the whatever-side curmudgeon. Right. And I, I like that the show is conscious of how much technology knowledge its characters would have. God, technology knowledge. That sounds ridiculous. But very, very real. Like, like there's an episode right before Will gets back with Michael in season nine, mm-hmm. where, like, he's on Instagram, but then the girls next to him who are teenagers are, like, explaining Instagram to him. Right. Like, it's... it's really getting exactly the level of technological savvy that these characters would have right and not pushing them to one side or the other you know like they're, there's a little bit of humor at their expense right but, but not a lot but they're also not idiots who are completely illiterate right it's like, like there's just enough not knowledge that's funny right like clearly it makes sense that they would understand twitter because it is the most bare bones technology right the best but also, it makes sense that some younger people would be explaining to Will that no one uses filters on Instagram anymore. Right, right. And things like that. Yeah. So, I just... I, I agree. I think that's a really strong part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to add about the revival of the season. I do. It's that Will and Grace are step-siblings. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you all to try, when you're trying to drift off to sleep tonight, to remember that these two people who once <laughs> attempted to have intercourse with each other are now step-siblings. I will say that at least it seems like the Will and Grace writing team took a note when everyone freaked out about that at the end of last season. And not only has de-emphasized it in season 10, but also clearly positioned the first two episodes out of production order (laughs) to specifically mute the criticism. Because, I mean, maybe I'm just crazy, but it kind of seems like episode two should have been episode one. And and episode one should have been episode two. Like, woo! But what do I know? I don't know. All I know is that Will and Grace are (laughs) step-siblings. They are step-siblings. They are siblings in a step way. I don't think that's... Never mind. Never mind. They're step siblings. Like a stepway sounds like a word that someone would invent for staircase if they didn't speak English as their native a language. A stepway actually to me sounds like uh, some sort of like stair machine elliptical combination. <laughs> like get on your stepway and it's like, like a flat uh, like escalator. Just, it's like a like a stepper, but like it's a slightly slower stepper. Right. So like you stay in one place and like the thing just like kind of keeps lifting a step, and then the step goes down, so you can step up to another step. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should invent that and then get famous. For our fitness invention. Maybe. It sounds like just a fancy conveyor belt with steps. Step, step, step. Stepway. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have this week. I think we do. Um, as a reminder, we're going to take a little bit of time off between now and season six. Yeah. We have a lot of um, personal stuff going on in our lives because it's the holidays. It is and it's going to be Christmas and New Year's. And mm-hmm. we need to take a little breather and catch up with things that aren't Will and Grace. Yeah. Um, but we're expecting to come back for season six really re-energized. Um, maybe even spice up some of our podcast visuals. Kind of a redundancy there, but... <laughs> that picture that we've had for two years, we might replace it. Yeah. That's what we're getting at. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll probably come back around the same time as the revival. But if they do beat us back, uh, you can always follow our commentary on Twitter. That's the best place to find social media for us here at Not A Couple. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also be posting periodically on our Facebook account and on our Tumblr page. 
You can always send us an email at notacouplepodcast at gmail.com. And our podcast is, as always, hosted on Podbean and iTunes. Yep. So, yeah. If we uh, don't catch you here, we'll catch you on Twitter. And uh, have a happy holiday and a happy new year. And um, Try not to become step-siblings with any of your friends yeah, this holiday season. Anyone that you've ever put their penis near any important parts of your body, try not to become related to them. Yeah. Blood relation. You know, I mean, if it's a romantic thing again, I mean, good for you. Happy holidays, you know. Yeah, live Drink that New Year's toast. Like, Okay, no, don't fuck your step-siblings. Don't listen to him. He's no, wrong. I mean, if they're not your step-siblings. Okay, you can fuck people who aren't related to you. Yeah, don't fuck your step-siblings. Or your cousins season. or your dog. Or your cousins or your dog. Don't fuck anybody that you would regret. Regret. <laughs> <laughs> don't fuck anybody you would regret. <laughs> That if is you would regret fucking someone <laughs> this holiday season, don't. Don't regret. <laughs> yep, that's it. We're done for the year. <laughs> Have a happy new year, folks. We'll see you in 2019. 20. Bye, teen. Get it? Because this year was 2018. Good luck with that. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again so much for listening and sticking with us through these last few seasons. We'll catch you in season six. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's episode of Not A Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow, 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 meow. Merry Christmas, Eliza. This week's episode was brought to you by Six Flags Great America, located in Gurney, Illinois. <laughs>